open our hearts and minds to your word so that we might be able to in, in, indulge ourselves and, and enrich in our lives with the word from your heart and mind. Make your servant worthy of this task for the next few minutes, we pray. Amen. Well, you may have noticed that the Christmas decorations are still up behind me, and uh, that was intentional. I have them up at my house, too. <laughs> it felt that we would uh, need a little extra cheer during these dark months and uh, just didn't want to take them down yet because I thought it would keep us cheered up and hopeful. So today we are continuing our study from the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll remember that Ecclesiastes is a word that basically refers to uh, the preacher or the leader. And uh, it's Solomon basically reflecting to us um, his, his grief and his truth-seeking as a result of being the wisest man that ever lived, or so legend tells us, and also being the most self-indulgent man who ever lived as he used all of his wealth and power. And so at the end, he combines his wisdom and the reality of the folly that his wealth was used for. He no doubt was aware that his father's kingdom was already, that is to say, his father's kingdom of Israel was already deteriorating because of his foolishness. So, so this is a very interesting insight into the character who's writing these words to us from this, this ancient wisdom literature. So right now our present predicament with this whole pandemic has is, is, uh, left us with a lot of consequences that we find very <laughs> frustrating to say the least. But it's also caused us to rise to a new level in so many ways. And I'm excited because here at Shiloh, we've, we've embraced a, a whole lot of new opportunities that have come as the result of this, of this pandemic and its consequences. And one of those is our outreach on the internet. And uh, we are using resources that we might not have tapped into if we hadn't been forced to, and maybe not to the extent that we have. But for example, this last six months or so, we've been running an ad in uh, Facebook that is targeted right here in our community uh, where I, as your pastor, offer to pray for anybody in the community who has a prayer concern or need or something that they'd like to share. And uh, I personally pray for every single one of them. Uh, I often, well, almost 100% of the time, interact with those people. And we're up to around 1,200 now who have reached out through this ad that simply says there's a pastor in town who's willing to pray for you. And the whole purpose is not, of course, to make me out to be the best pastor in town or even this the best church, but simply give to our community an act of Christian discipleship, the very love of Christ, a willingness to hear what's on their minds and to join them in it. And it's a burden, to say the least. It's it's tiring in, in every sense of the word, and I'm, I'm reluctant to say that, but i got to be honest with you. I'm going to share some of these with you, and I, I will maintain a, uh, uh, a, a careful um, <laughs> confidentiality, but... 
if you go into Facebook and you look for the ad uh, and scroll around, many people have written on the page itself. Now, you can actually message me and send me a private request, uh, which is what most of the people do, and then I respond to that in a particular way. I do want to emphasize, though, that if you're a member of the Shiloh family, you don't have to reach out to me through the ad. You can just email me directly or message uh, Facebook message me directly. Um, you can even better yet go to shiloh.iprayerworks.com where we have an online Shiloh prayer room. And so uh, we want to invite you to make sure to, to especially a Shiloh family, um, it's not exclusive, but it will, if you go through the ad, you're going to have an experience that it probably won't be necessary for you if you're already a part of the Shiloh family. But all that being said, here are some of the things that people have asked for prayer in our community and in our area. So let's see, someone has five kids and family and friends, and they're really afraid for them because the world seems so messed up. Someone is asking for prayer for sisters who are going through chemo and radiation for different types of cancer, and they're both trying to keep their hopes up, but it's hard because of the way that the treatments weaken you. Uh, someone has asked for prayer uh, that Satan would just go ahead and uh, that Satan is, is, is tempting them with all sorts of... of uh, I see I'm, these are real, like they're happening right now. Um, the, this person is having some real struggles with Satan and sin and, and with, with relationships that are afflicted by that. And, and uh, here's another one. Um, someone's business is suffering because of the pandemic and they're asking for prayer. Someone lost their son just a few weeks ago and wasn't able to embrace them uh, that opportunity to to make peace and, and settle up and and uh, because of an estrangement that was complicated by COVID precautions. Um, there are people asking for prayer for someone who's lost the husband uh, suddenly and left the wife with three boys to raise without the husband. Someone is praying for a brother who is uh, desperate for a heart transplant and it isn't happening yet. Uh, many, many prayer concerns about grief. Many prayer concerns about unbelievably difficult circumstances in their lives. And that's just, a, that's just touching the surface. So why am I sharing this with you? Because what we're about to read from Solomon's book of Ecclesiastes is something that we all need to keep in mind. I'm going to break the reading up into two parts. First, we're going to read Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. Many of you will be familiar with this. In fact, the older ones might even remember a 60s song based on these words. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. 
a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, and a time to love and a time to hate, and a time for war and a time for peace. Solomon's list is sobering, to say the least. I happen to think that that list with a couple of other items ought to be included with every birth certificate. I think that that, that limited warranty that that uh, Solomon just gave ought to be included with a birth certificate along with the Bible, which is the operating manual for this new life, and then the number of the nearest uh, spiritual practitioner who is, in effect, a certified maintenance technician, right? So, so I'm literally saying a new human being, like a new appliance, ought to come with certain uh, documentation, and it would be the birth certificate, it would be Solomon's list that says there are limitations associated with life and you need to expect it. And then of course the owner's manual, the Bible, and a certified technician, perhaps a rabbi or a pastor or a priest who can help you in particular times of difficulty. You see, what Solomon is saying to us in this list is that these things happen to the rich and to the poor. These things happen to the oppressed and to the powerful. That, that the old saying that I've often used, you know, is that phrase of, 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 you know, how much do you suppose Warren Buffett will leave behind when he dies? And the answer is everything. It isn't a question of how much we have on earth when we are laid in our grave. Our soul leaves nothing, takes nothing with it, I should say, and leaves everything behind on the way to heaven or hell. And it is the way we lived our life and how we responded to this list that Solomon gives that's going to determine a lot about how we spend our time after this life. Solomon is, at this point, not particularly optimistic. I'm not going to lie to you, but we'll see as we move along that he has a point he's trying to make, and in the weeks ahead, you'll begin to understand that he's laying it out for us systematically. The bottom line is Solomon is telling us that comfort kills that's my phrase, not his, but you know, here's a man who has, was considered the richest man who ever lived, and he basically has a long record in the Bible of indulging himself in everything that he wanted, and yet he's bitter toward the end of his life because none of it really amounted to anything. And so finally, Solomon asks the question I think all of us ask, the question we would all ask, especially if we had lived the kind of abundant life that is, as far as the flesh is concerned, that Solomon lived. So now let us read Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses nine to 14. 
What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. Well, that sounds a little bit sarcastic, and it is. He's, he's, like I said, Solomon is systematically taking us to a point that we need to keep in mind. And, you know, because as we've learned in all sorts of Bible study, if we're breaking it down and doing it a little bit of time each week, we've got to keep in mind what we've already heard, but we also keep in mind where we're headed. And so let me remind you of where we're headed. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll want to recall that uh, in the first week's message, last week I told you by, by reading the prologue and then the epilogue, in the epilogue he says what I've realized is, is that a life that isn't entirely devoted to God is a wasted life. So keep in mind that he wants to point us toward that truth. And so he's building the case for taking us along the way to that truth. And, and think about it. You know, we, to this day, humanity has always been uh, uh, infatuated with celebrities. I mean, when I look at some of the things that are going on in our country right now, it has an awful lot to do with celebrities and people in power and influence. So celebrity isn't limited to movie stars and TV stars and rock stars and all that sort of thing. Celebrity is, is people we look up to because somehow we think they're better than us or that they, they have been able to achieve things we're not able to achieve and they've been given opportunities we haven't been given. I mean, however it is that we look up to them, we find ourselves hanging on the words of people whose lives may or may not be worth exemplifying or, or, or exemplary in their own way. And, and we hang on their words because they look like they've got it together. They seem to have more talent than average people. They, they seem to have been more successful than average people. So imagine, as Solomon is writing this, that he's one of those celebrities He's, he's well known throughout the world in his time as the wisest man who ever lived and the richest man who ever lived. And, and people are coming from all over the world to seek his wisdom and, and to be entertained with him. And, and, and you know, it even turns into, you know, people are, are giving him gifts that included wives and concubines, you know. And so, so, I mean, this is how far this thing has gone. If he isn't a rock star, you know, if he isn't a, a celebrity politician or, my gosh, even a celebrity pastor, you know, because, because there's a lot of celebrity pastors out there. And he's all of this, and he looks back in his private reflection, and he says, God gave everybody busy work to do. He, he told them things they ought to be about doing, and he, he, he recognizes that if they would do these things, then they would stay focused. But God doesn't explain it. God doesn't tell you why. 
I, I, you know, how many of you will remember uh, the original uh, Karate Kid movies, you know? And, and I'm sorry to you younger folks because I didn't think the new one was as good as the old one, but I'm older, so maybe I'm just stuck on my generation's idea of good. But, you know, I like Jackie Chan. All that being said, do you remember the whole wax on, wax off? Do you remember that? Do you remember that, that, that uh, Daniel-san was very frustrated because he didn't think Mr. Miyagi was actually teaching him how to do karate. He was just using him for busy work, right? Mr. Miyagi was having him do chores, waxing the car, painting the fence and stuff like that. And, and he always told Daniel to do it a certain way, always like this and then like this and so forth. And, and eventually Daniel began to recognize that the busy work was part of the fundamental training and preparation for the thing that his master actually had in store for him. And so what Solomon is saying here is God's not telling us what this is about, but he's telling us to stay busy on these foundational things, like reading the Bible, regular prayer, interaction with the saints on a regular basis. Uh, you know, if we can't be together in person, we can be together through our phones and our, and our communication systems. We can be together in, in venues like this. And, and these are all essential elements that every Christian believer should adhere to. And Solomon's saying, you know, the busy work seems fruitless and mindless, but it has a purpose that only God fully comprehends. And if we who are parents or pet owners, or not that children are like pets, but you know, those of us who have uh, greater wisdom and greater experience than those to whom we have been given the responsibility, of the task of, of nurturing and caring for. Sometimes you just have to say, because I said so. Oh, oh, how I grieved the first time I heard myself say that to my kids because I swore when I was a kid that I would never say that. Can I get an amen? And yet what we learn is, is that sometimes, as Solomon points out, you just need to do what you've been told to do, and you don't need to know all the details about why and where this is headed. And Solomon says, you're actually better off that way. And he says, people who get frustrated with that kind of thing and refuse to submit their will to a mindless task or to a process that they don't understand where it's going or the purpose in it, that they're not putting enough faith in the one who gave them the task. And so therefore they fall from faith and they start indulging their flesh because it feels also pointless. Oh, if you're going to be one of those church people, then, you know, how many times do we hear people say, I can meet Jesus out in the woods. I can commune with God out in the woods as a nature lover myself. I will affirm that being out in the wilderness is a very good centering thing that will help you get in touch with God. And yet being a follower of Jesus Christ, being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we also interact with other disciples. And disciples are radically gifted and radically flawed. They've been radically gifted with the Holy Spirit that brings new life in their spirit, but they're radically flawed because they were born that way. And so among the saints, there will always be challenges. And with the Spirit's help, wiser, 
uh, more spiritually mature Christian leaders will help to manage conflict and, and the occasional conflict and chaos that creeps into even the church. But how it breaks my heart that people stay away from church because it all seems so ridic- ridiculous and pointless. How it breaks my heart that they assume that, that church is only a place where a bunch of holier-than-thou people condemn those with whom they disagree. You don't have to go to church to have that experience anymore. You can have that experience anywhere you go. And what we want to say here at Shiloh anyway is is that we simply want to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and love you as much as we love those who are dear to us and ourselves. And we know we won't do it perfectly, but this is what we want to do. And if it's busy work, If it's work that God has given us that we can't explain where it's going and how it all turns out, so be it. It is better to be faithfully attending to the most minute thing that God has given us than to do what Solomon did, which is to turn to indulging your flesh in all kinds of evil. Because at the end of his life, he kind of regrets the mess he's made of things. And we'll get to see more of that soon. But for now, let us understand that the most important thing you can do today for God is to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and intentionally love those around you with the same spirit of love that saves you. And I can't think of a more important time in our history as a family of faith for us to do that than this time. Let us pray. Almighty God, I praise you and I give you glory this morning for speaking through me and to us from your heart and mind. Now, Lord, of course, erase whatever isn't from you so that only the only things that are permanent and transformative in the lives of my hearers are those words that came from you. For your glory, I pray this. Amen. Amen.